praise the Lord. The Lord is good and all the time. I can feel candles lit and scattered, but I want to pray that we will feel the warmth even when we are scattered. Amen. We are privileged to be studying God's word this afternoon, and I request that we start with a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you so for the privilege that you have given to us to come sit at your feet so that you will feed us with your word. We pray, Lord, for clarity of speech and utterance that as your word comes through, it will accomplish the purpose for which you give it to us this afternoon. Bless us as we listen to your word. Bless us as we study your word. But most importantly, Lord, may it bear fruit in our lives, fruit that will last to the glory and honor of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We do have before us this afternoon Psalm 100 for reflection, and I want to pray that we will follow through as we study together. Now, the book of Psalms or Psalter is a collection of many things. In it, we find songs, in it, we find poems, in it, we find prayers. Now, unfortunately, many of us have come to understand this book, and we have labeled it as the book of songs. It is not just songs. There is so much for us in here. But also, as you interact with the Psalter, you will realize that some of us have only come to know only King David. And so some of us think that the entire Psalter was actually written by him. Friends, in this book, we find a number of authors. Yes, there are Psalms written by David, the famous poet, the harp player, but there are also Psalms written by Asaph, by the sons of Korah, by Solomon and Moses, by Haman and Ethan, by the leaders in the temple. But also in here in the book of Psalms, we realize that there are those that are beautifully written and yet the author is anonymous. There are Psalms for us which we cannot easily trace who the writer is. Now, I want to interest us in our own personal Bible study time to interact with the Psalms and kind of find out what the structure is. Now, I know many of us are used or love much to read other types of literature in the Bible. Some of us find it easier to read narratives and follow through. And literature like this in the Psalm does not usually appease us to read, but there is lots of wisdom in there, and God has them in his word for us to study and interact with them. So I want to ask that you find time and interact with the book of Psalms. We do have 150 of them, but out of the 150 Psalms, Psalm 100 is the only Psalm that bears this title, a Psalm for giving thanks. Now for other Psalms, you kind of read through and try to relate with the entire Bible to see what situation was happening. What was it around this man's life that prompted him to write so you can kind of guess what particular Psalm it is. For some of us, as you read and you find lament, or you think this is a Psalm of lament, it is not directly written. But for Psalm 100, it is
is very clear from the start. It is a psalm for giving thanks. And as a psalm for giving thanks, it is jubilant. You're going to discover as we interact with these five verses that an invitation is sent out to people all over the world. People all over the earth are invited in this psalm to come and do three things. Number one, to come and know God. Number two, to worship this God that they have known. And number three, to give him thanks. So can I invite you to follow through as I read verses one through two. This is what it says in my Bible. Shout out for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. A strange beginning. For most of the Psalms we interact with, there is kind of a common beginning. Most Psalms usually begin by a declaration of God's sovereignty. No wonder we have mastered most of them of head. The Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice. Others begin by telling us of the character of God. The Lord is good. But this Psalm 100 begins on a note of telling us to shout. Now, some of us that have been raised in the Anglican church that are faithful to it, I was personally raised and I was told as you come to church, you come sit still, listen in, and follow through with what the leader of the service is saying. You do not come to church and begin to shout. In fact, if you begin to shout, the wardens will quietly lead you out. So you do not come to church and you begin to shout. But friends, Psalm 100 is seemingly telling us something different. Shout for joy to the Lord. And as I reflected upon it, reconciling it with my background on how I was raised on one hand to be silent before God and listening as the priests lead us and teach us, I said, God, how, how do I begin to tell these people to shout? How, how do we have a history about shouting for joy to you in scripture? And the Lord told me, you know what? This is not the first time that my people gather to worship me and they shout out for joy. Friends, there is a record of more than once in the Bible where God's people gather together and they shout out for joy. Hallelujah. In Numbers chapter 22, that famous story of how King Balak calls Balaam to curse the Israelites. He persuades him to do it. Balaam feels like I shouldn't. He's, he's not sure. In Numbers 23, 21, Balaam stands on his feet and tells the king, you know what? No misfortune is seen in Jacob. No misery is observed in Israel. The Lord their God is with them. The shout of the king is among them. In other words, he's saying, even if you ask me to call a zillion curses over them, these people have mastered the art of calling down God's presence. The shout of the Lord for joy is among them that even if I, I, I say what, it will not work. He tells him, you know what, king, 
the bottom line is this cursing thing is not going to work because of the shout to the Lord. Hallelujah. But also in Joshua 6, friends, remember the commander-in-chief in charge of the troops, Joshua, does not tell people we are going to shoot from this side to the other. Mm -mm. Joshua tells them, God has desired that we simply march around and shout he has given us the city. And as the story goes, this shout to the Lord, this joyful shout to the Lord gives them victory. Now, I do not know what you're going to do with this information, but this is what is written here. You might be like me, faithful, Anglican, struggling. Oh, by the way, we, we have a bishop in our midst, so please, quiet. But I know he's a redeemed one, hallelujah. Many portions in scripture, in one Samuel, when the Philistines are attacking the Israelites, the Israelites remember, you know what? The Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, please bring it in. And as the Ark comes, they begin to shout out, the presence of God is with us. And the Bible says, the earth shook, that the people in the Philistine camp began to ask themselves, what is happening that side? Shout for joy, hallelujah. Now, the psalm tells us, shout for joy to the Lord. Now, the sense behind this statement, shout for joy, relates to a kind of subjects that are seeing their king coming. Uh, today, I have been told that there has been this Kabakaran. You know, we are in the central part of this nation. And many times, the king is about to move out you will see people for over weeks stage on the road. They will build some sort of axe for him to go through. They will shout acclamations of honor. They will give out words of glory to someone, by the way, that they do not even have a close relationship with. Now, the sense appears like the call is for us to shout out acclamations, words of honor to the Lord our God. Now, apart from telling us to shout, there is another struggle. It is for us to worship the Lord with gladness. Now, the whole earth is invited not just to make a joyful shout to the Lord, but to serve. The NIV says serve instead of worship. As we gather into the temple of God, we are called to do nothing except to serve him, except to worship him. Friends, God desires that as you walk in, you do not be counted among those that are coming to sit and warm his pew. As you come into this cathedral, God desires that you offer a service. You could be a warden or whatever it is, but God desires that as we come to worship him, we offer service to him. Now, there are those that are saying, you know what, all of us cannot be wardens, all of us cannot be A, B, C, D. But as you move out of the gates of this cathedral, you are going to a family, you are going to your workplace. There is opportunity for you there to serve the Lord. Hallelujah. The context here appears to be of temple worship 
but generally as we live our lives, whether in the temple, whether in the cathedral or outside, God desires that we serve him. And he doesn't want any kind of service. God qualifies for us the kind of service he desires from us. It is not a service full of, 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 of complaining and, and grudges. It is a service noticed by gladness of heart. A service full of gladness of heart. And so God is calling us through this psalm to examine our service, to examine our worship. Are we gladly offering it to him or oh, for some of us, you know what, it is a Sunday afternoon, where else would I be except church? Or oh, for some of us at my workplace, I am in charge, and so uh, I, these people need to gather and say some prayers. But you really feel it shouldn't be happening. As we gather to worship, as we live out our lives in the workplace, the call is for us to serve, the call is for us to worship, but offer worship or service that is coming from a heart that is glad. Friends, I want to pray for myself as I pray for you, that we will not miss the point of serving God, the blessings therein, because we are serving grudgingly instead of gladly. Call to worship, call to serve with a glad heart. He continues to say, come before him, with joyful songs. The third thing, the first is as we come, let us make a joyful shout. The second is in addition to the shout, serve me or worship. Number three, come with, to me with joyful songs. Now throughout the Psalms, you realize that praise to God is expressed through songs. Now this does not mean that the only way we can praise God is by singing. We can actually praise God by our obedience to his word. We can praise him in our prayers. We can praise him through doing good and many, many other things. But the chief way to praise God in the Psalms is by singing to him. Now, some of us often ride or hide in this thing, you know what, I could offer him a song, but my voice is not as good as that of the music director. Can we start by acknowledging that you at least have a voice? Hello? Praise the Lord. Whether you think it is good or bad, you at least have it. There are those who, hey, there are those who do not have it. So thank God that you have it and use it to give him that song. You do not need to be great at singing for you to offer God a singing voice. As the choir leads us to the throne of grace, some of us usually stand still like these pillars. Your body is not moving in any direction. And the worship leader labors, Bobby, put your hands up. Lift your hands, clap to the Lord. And you're thinking, when is she finishing for us to sit? You are so stiff in the presence of God. The words are projected, but you cannot even at least talk them out. I mean, if you can't sing the song, talk it. Let me use that English. At least just say the words. Hallelujah. But you, you, you are just there. People are enjoying the presence of God. You are just there. May God help us. He desires that in his presence, we offer him songs 
of praise, songs that are joyful. Now, in verses 3, he now explains to us the why. He started by telling us what. What for us, we, what we are called to do is shout for joy, worship or serve me, sing for me joyful songs. And he now tells us why he is requiring those of us. Follow with me, verse 3. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Friends, the praise that comes to God from us, his people, and indeed from all the earth, should be praise that is mindful. Mindful of the fact that it is given to God. You do not come in this place to offer praise to a Muluka chief. You do not come here to sing joyful songs to your LC1 chairman. I mean, we have neighbors close here that I will not mention, but we do not come here to sing for them. We come here to sing to the Lord. Hallelujah. And so when you understand that you are not here to sing provost to the bishop, that understanding will stir in your heart a desire to do it like it depends, that like your life depends on it. It is for God. It has to be the very best. You have to mean it. Hallelujah. The reason he's calling us to do the above is because the Lord is God. And it is he that we are offering this worship. It is to him that we are singing these songs. It is to him that we are offering the service. And so because it is for God, we have to do it wholeheartedly. But the second reason, apart from telling us that the Lord is God and it is to him that we are offering these, he tells us he is God. We are not, but this God is also creator. He says it is he who made us. Friends, because God made us, he has a right over us. The maker of a product has a copyright over it. You did not make yourself. God made you. And so because you are his product, when he says, let us look down to city square, you do not say, I am taking this direction to, to what hospital is this. You don't. Praise the Lord. He is the creator. He has created us. He has a right over us. And so when he says, stand up, shout, please do that. He has a right to tell you that. I have heard people say this word. You know, I, I left the village with nothing. I came to the city of Kampala. All of these cars you see, these houses, I am self-made. I am self-made. I am self-made. I came with nothing from Kanungu, but I have all of this. Now, I am not saying it is the people of Kanungu that say that. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But you know what I'm trying to say. Now, some of us want to make it feel a bit Christian. You see, I, I do not have a godfather in this government or in this nation. Neither do I have a godmother, but you see all of this. Friends, that is idolatry. Some of us think we have made ourselves. We say, I am self-made. 
We forget that the Bible reminds us God has given us the ability and strength to make these things. The call for us this afternoon through the psalmist is for us to remember the reason God is calling us to praise him, to worship him, to serve him is because he is our creator. He has made us. And interestingly, in the new covenant, for us that believe in Jesus, God has kind of created us twice. You know all of us are created in the image of God. But when we come to his knowledge, we are born again. So we are kind of recreated. That means we, we even have more reason to worship and acknowledge him. He is our creator. 2 Corinthians 5.17, we are a new creation. We did not make ourselves. God made us. He created us. And you see, because he created us, we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Can I dwell on that a little bit? Now, we know that God originally chose a group of people, the Jews, but in the new covenant, Gentile as we are, we have also been included among his people. So you and I are people of God. He is our shepherd. We are sheep under his care. Now, in 2018, I had the privilege to go to that part of the world. Very dry. And as I interacted with the people there, my understanding of a shepherd was actually unlearned and I relearned the true understanding of a shepherd. I remember that day as we spent it in Bethlehem, we were told of how the shepherds there actually move into this dry place, look out for little green grass, move about, look for small horses that have little water, then go back to the sheep pen and lead the sheep to this place. Now, the shepherds in Uganda eh, will hold a big stick in their hands, push the sheep to go ahead of them. They will be behind the sheep and even beat them to increase their speed. And the irony is, why are you ascending the sheep? Are you sure there is no wolf in the way waiting to devour them? The Lord is our shepherd. He says, you know what? I know where the little green grass is. I have been there before you. I have traversed the desert. I know where a small oasis is. I can lead you to that place of water. And he does not act like Ugandan shepherds. He says, let me go ahead of you. Follow after me. Isn't he such a great shepherd? The Bible through the psalmist is reminding us we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. But I also discovered that even in Bethlehem, there is stubborn sheep. They are those that will be faithfully led by the shepherd to the little tiny grass and they will refuse to eat it. And so the shepherd will be forced to get his stick, beat it a little to see if it will eat. And some of them would be so stubborn, 
they will not eat anything. Even when they should be eating, they have had nothing to eat. There will be those that are led to this stream of water and they will not drink the water. Friends, are you living as a, sh a sheep under the shepherd of God, your, your shepherd? Do you recognize his leading as one referred to as his sheep? How do you respond when he leads you to green pastures? When he says, this is what is right for you, there is some little green grass, and you're like, God, I feel like chicken tonight, I want to eat pizza, so I will take this direction. We pride in saying we are the sheep of his pasture and yet we do not yield to his leading. May God have mercy on us. Some of us are those stubborn sheep, disobedient. But the psalmist is reminding us, you did not make yourself, God created you, and so because he did, you ought to yield to his leading. If you want to lead yourself, you are likely to crash. By the way, sheep are interesting animals. My father has some small goats, but the times they lose their way, two days not at home, but later on they come along. I do not know how it is with sheep. I do not know if you lost it today, you would never find it. I mean, they walk with their heads down. They're not even sure of what is happening. So imagine yourself as that sheep with your head down, with no one to lead you. Disaster, tragedy. But we are his sheep. He is our shepherd. We are not those that do not acknowledge his leading. And so the psalmist is affirming that. He is reminding us we are not self-made. God made us. He created us. We are the sheep of his pasture. So the call is for us to yield to the leading of this great shepherd. Now this afternoon God is saying to those among us that have not yet yielded to him. He is saying, come, come, come and receive my shepherdly care. Come, I am willing to lead you to where the food is. I am willing to lead you to where the water is. Do you carry yourself like one that is said to be his sheep? Friends, the theme of thanksgiving continues. We learned earlier on in verse 3 of the three reasons why we need to praise him. Now the idea continues in verse 4 about how we ought to give thanks. He says in verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving and, in, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. The psalmist pictures people of God gathered from all over the world, from all over the the ends of the earth, and how they praise him is they enter into the temple, they do not stay outside. They enter, but as they enter, they are giving thanks. They are praising. As they approach, they recognize how much God has done for them and where they would be without him, and that acknowledgement causes them to lift up their hands and burst 
into praise of God. Now the scene here in verse 4 seems to be like one of public worship. Enter into the gates, enter into the courts of the temple. There is a sense of communal worshipping. There is a sense of coming together as a people of God. Now there is a time and a place for private worship and prayer. But there is also a place for communal worship as believers. In the time of COVID, we missed that. I remember those days where you, 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 you longed for a hug from a sister in the Lord. And the best you could do was to talk to them on phone. How we prayed that church would be open. But those of us that did say those prayers seem to be stuck online. They, they, they do not seem to come back into this physical warmth and meeting. And so can I speak to my brothers and sisters online that the Lord is rebuking you this afternoon. There is a sense in which living life together as believers ought to be done in community. I know there is an online community, but it is warmer in a physical community. Hallelujah. The norm for Christians is that we come together and give thanks as a people of God. The vision I see here is not one of a solo ranger Christian trying to find their way through the salvation journey. If you want to live life as a lone Christian, the devil is likely to put you in a corner, pounce on you because he's aware no one will uplift your hand. But in this fellowship together, as you falter, Bishop will say, my daughter, this is how you should be walking. He will uphold you because there is community. But also some of us, because we are sold out into certain things, we don't want to let go. We do not want to leave uh, the private place to come and be together. Because yes, we are battling with things, but we will be encouraged by friends to overcome if we are together. Now, as the psalm comes to an end, there is a picture of nations coming together to worship the Lord, to serve him, to praise him. And it doesn't seem that as though they come, there are small groups that are coming to complain, see how the preacher is dressed, see her hair. Oh, did you see Reverend Jaffo's shoe? The intent doesn't seem to be things of no importance. As they gather, their intention is on praising God. Their intention is on learning and serving this God. But most importantly, desiring to have a relationship with him. Morgan Campbell wrote in reflection on verse 4 and said, It is as though as the gates of the city get open, the gates of the sanctuary suddenly get open, and all lands are called in to serve Jehovah, to know him, and to enter into a relationship with him. It is possible as we gather for some of us to be lost in general happiness, to come, be excited, and move out, and yet on serious thoughts, you, you do not have a relationship with this Jesus that seems to interest and excite everyone. Public worship is an opportunity for us to sit and pause and ask yourself, but how am I doing as a person? Am I really, really sure that I am in relationship with this God that all of us are worshiping? 
Friends, notice in the psalm that not only are we invited to bring thanks and praise into the gates and courts of God, under the new covenant, Easter is gone by, but under the new covenant, it is not just the gates, it is not just the courts that are open. The Bible tells us that even the curtain, the holy of holies, the veil has been opened for us to come. And so we have direct access to God. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 10, we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus Christ. So as we come in from different nations and tongues, as we come in to worship the Lord, let there be nothing that bars us from having an encounter with God. There is access. He calls us to come in and partake of this that God has accomplished among us. Now verse 5 concludes by giving us an explanation why. Why should we give such praise to God when we come into his courts? He says in verse 5, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Why should we do the above? Shout, worship him, serve him, sing for him. Why should we enter with praise and thanks? The Lord is good. And some of us think, uh, sometimes preachers say that, that we are just to compose themselves. They're dealing with a little anxiety. And so when they say the Lord is good, they're kind of buying time. No, it is written. The Lord is good. Remember when one of the disciples was trying to call Jesus good teacher, and Jesus rebuked him and said, ah, 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 no, no, only God is good. We need to give thanks and praise to God in recognition of his goodness. God is good in his plans. Jeremiah 29, 11 tells us he has good plans for us. But all through scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, we see that God's plans are good for us. Plans of redeeming us. God is always concerned with us falling. And so he has a redemptive plan for us through Jesus. And that is a good plan. God is good in his grace. He is good in his forgiveness. We falter, he carries us up. He is good in his covenant. God keeps his word. He is not like man that shifts like shadows. When God says, hey, that is what he will do. He is not like human beings. He is good at keeping his covenant. He is a promise-keeping God. God is good in every aspect of his being. Now, reflecting on the goodness of God and the gods that the nations around Israel served, the Dagons, Baals, and those, and those other gods, you, you, you do not seem to see any goodness in them. I mean, gods that would instruct for babies to be sacrificed, gods that would have selfish tendencies, not so our God. Not so the God talked about in Psalm 100. We read that God is good. So much so that we can confidently pride in what verse 5 of the psalm says. It says his mercy, his love is everlasting. It endures forever. Friends, the psalm ends on a note of informing us that God's unending mercy and truth are everlasting. From generation to generation, 
Now, have you received such mercy from him? Do you know the truth of God's word and what his purpose is for your life? Or you are priding in the general happiness. I fellowship at All Saints Cathedral. We are a congregation of elite people in the city and yet you do not know who Jesus really, really is. Have you partaken of his mercy? If you have, praise be to God. But if you haven't, it is not too late. He is giving you an opportunity through this psalm. He is saying, come, I want to show you my shepherdly care. I am knocking at the door of your heart and I am wondering, is there room in your heart for me to come in and write my story? I have been to where the food is. Oh yes, I have been to where the water is and I am willing to lead you if only you will give me the opportunity to. God desires followers and not fans. It is very easy for, for us to be lost in that category of those that are simply fans, like football fans. Today they wake up feeling like they should support. Tomorrow they wake up feeling like they shouldn't. God doesn't require that from us. He requires complete daily obedience. And you cannot be in obedience if you have not had a relationship with him. And so today he says to us clearly in Psalm 100, come and serve me. Come and worship me with gladness of heart. I am your shepherd. I love you. Come, be thankful. Come, I am willing to hold your hand. He is asking, will you yield to my leading as your good shepherd? And he says, you know what, I am not like these seemingly um, self-styled shepherds in this city that have closed themselves as shepherds and yet in them are wolves. God says, I am the good shepherd. And for you to think that you are the sheep under his care, you ought to recognize his voice. He says to us in scripture, my sheep know my voice. Friends, you can only follow after God if you have received him. And so I invite us to bow down our heads this afternoon. Reflect on this psalm. With an invitation for us to come and shout to him. It encourages us to worship the Lord with sadness of heart. And the how is also given to us to simply enter and thank him because he is God but also because he is our creator. Friends, it is the Lord that has made us. We error when we begin to think we are self-made. The Lord is our creator. He is our shepherd. We are the people, we are the sheep of his pasture. He loves us. But shepherd. Many times we take a direction different from the one he desires us to walk in. And at times it is because the world has hit on us. There are days we walk into his temple and we are overwhelmed 
There is no peace at home. There is no peace at the workplace. The children are disturbing. Lots of things that the world throws at us. But you know what, friends? Even in the midst of the heat, the good shepherd says, you know what? I have allowed you to go through it and I am glad it has not consumed you. And because it has not consumed you, it's coming to my gates, coming to my courts with thanksgiving and praise. Be thankful that you are alive. Come to me and worship me. Will we go to God and ask him to have mercy on us for thinking that we are we are self-made and for thinking at times that we have gotten where we are because of our own strength and might. But also for those of us that have not keenly thought about our relationship with him, the reflection on verse 4 is very clear. As these nations come before him to worship him, they take serious the understanding that he is God, that he is their creator, and that they ought to have a relationship with him. Because it is from this relationship that a heart of thanksgiving will flow. And so if you have your life to Jesus, the call is for you to yield to his leading. The call is for you to open up your heart and allow him in. You your own strength cannot. The good shepherd is among us this afternoon. He says, I want to walk with you. Will you allow me to? Will you allow me to lead you? Because I have been to where I want you to go. I know the way I am able to lead you. For thy, Lord, is the kingdom, all the power and glory are yours, now and forevermore. May God bless you.